One of the things causing people distress during this pandemic is the impact necessary restrictions have on our ability to mourn using the traditional rituals and how that impacts our grieving process. Hello, thanks for joining me today for another UOK podcast. Today's episode may prove a particularly sad one for some of you, but as someone who uh, cries at the drop of a hat, I'd encourage you to just let the tears come if you're reminded of a loved one or if you're going through a grieving process at the moment. Every one of us feels even a little better after a good cry. I'm joined today by Dr Ursula Bates, who's a chartered clinical psychologist, but recently retired from her position as head of psychology services at Our Lady's Hospice and Care Services. And through that work, Ursula has a greater insight than most into dying, death and the grieving of a loved one. In our chat, we talk about the role that rituals play in helping us to process our grief, what alternative options might be available for us at the moment and how the wider community can continue to support people in their grief despite restrictions. I think normally we rely on, you know, community rituals, all the things we do in Ireland are really a kind of container that help us get through, particularly the very early days following a loss, you know, where normally you'd have the support of a ritual, which in a way is like a large community dance. We, we all know our place in it. And that, in a sense, is like a a great big pot, a big container that carries people through that awful shock, that realisation that the person is really gone. And some things help enormously with that, you know, being able to see an open coffin, being able to say a final farewell to somebody. Even the reality of a coffin moving out of a church is often a very sad and poignant moment where you bring the person from the church to the graveyard. And those those all those movements and all that community support really helps us realise the person is really, really gone. And I think at the moment, one of the very hard things is when you when you don't have those kind of moments. Um, you can be left with a sense of slight disbelief. You know, is my loved one really gone? Did they really die? I didn't see them in the coffin. Is it really them? So you can have that kind of uneasy feeling in yourself of has it really, really happened? And I think what's really important then is to do whatever is right for you yourself. I mean, some some of the patients that I've been dealing with, it's been a question of setting up a little memorial at home on the window where they have a photograph and a candle and they just take some time with themselves to go over in their minds the sad reality that they've really lost somebody and that person is gone. So I think it's very important to find some way of helping yourself steady up around that. And you were you were mentioning there too that you know, on the other hand, then some people have found that having a very small service, you know, where maybe there's only 10 family members is often a chance then to have a service that's more personal and that I know some people have been very creative around favourite songs or favourite poems or something that seems to really represent the person in a more individual way. So I just think it's a, it is a very hard time. You know, there's often as well, I think, some guilt, maybe shame is too strong, but people feel some sense of guilt of not being able to give their loved one the send off or not being able to be with them, maybe at the end. All things that are totally beyond their control. But I can imagine that really makes the grieving process exponentially harder. 
I think it does. When you're distressed about something, it's for it's some people turn it inwards and they they blame themselves. You know, that's where the kind of the guilt comes from. They're often the people who turn it inwards and become very kind of personally feeling responsible in some way. And then the other people who turn it outwards and get very angry and feel, you know, this is unfair and located in blame in some way. So I suppose what I would say to people is be very gentle with yourself. Be kind, be kind to yourself. If you feel guilty, you know, go for a little walk around the garden and think in your heart. Now, what is it? Why do I feel guilty? Am I the kind of person that always feels super responsible and that that's why they're feeling so guilty in themselves? And and, you know, go through it as kindly as you would if a child in front of you was saying, I feel guilty about granddad dying. What would you say to a child? And then equally on the other side, anger is as problematic because I think it's it's very easy to be very angry at the moment with the circumstances that have been imposed on people. But again, take a walk and kind of think to yourself, you know, is that just your own frustration? Um, is it serving you well? What is coming through very clearly from what you're saying is part of processing your grief is having to get into it, having to be with it and be curious about it. Grief is a long, hard road and the beginning of it is that that really realisation that something really has happened. And I suppose what I'm saying, Jan, in one way is I think that realisation may be a bit slower to land in current circumstances. Mm. So being kind to yourself in the beginning, if you feel a bit disconnected or you kind of don't believe it's real or you're having trouble sleeping or your memory is desperate. That's the beginning of, of the real work. And then once it's dawned on you, oh, my God, it's really happened, then that's the emotional path. A part of it begins to become much more real, as you say, the, the guilt and the anger. Internally within ourselves, we grieve so that we can actually take some psychological energy out of the relationship we had with that person and and use that energy to move on in our lives. And we need to do two things. On the one hand, take some time and space to honour our feelings and if we can and we feel comfortable sharing them with somebody we trust and then on the other hand you you do it's perfectly okay to distract as well it's wearing to be grief-stricken all day long so it's perfectly okay to have a patch in the day where you grieve to say to yourself I'll take some quiet time to grieve at 11 o'clock in the morning or at half nine at night but then by 12 o'clock say to yourself now I'll make a cup of tea I'll wash the dishes I'll put on the radio because you need breaks so so you need to go from grieving to adapting to life grieving to adapting to life go over and back and over and back and and not feel guilty if you take to washing floors when somebody has died, maybe yeah. that's what you need to do to give yourself a break from the feelings. You know, it's such a natural thing in Irish culture for the community to wrap around the individual and to drop over, make a cup of tea, drop a lasagna on the doorstep, whatever it is. A lot of those things aren't as available to people. Have you any kind of advice for how people can be there for their bereaved friends and family members? I think it's it's about thinking what is there, you know, that we're, um, you know, using phones more, using photographs um, and posts are still open, send cards. So so beginning to think 
what is there that I can do? I was um, talking to somebody this morning and he was talking to me about writing a letter to the wife of a friend that had died. And he took a long time to compose the letter because this was a very dear friend of his. And he said it took him three weeks to, to write the letter, but he was very deeply grateful that he had written the letter then. And, you know, that person in turn was was very touched by the letter. So in a way, allowing yourself the time to put words on paper and what people really appreciate, um, you know, when you're writing a letter to somebody who has lost somebody is some particular memory that you have, you know, so it might be you're writing to the mum or dad of somebody. But what matters is your individual memory that you cherish of that person. So just taking the time to write an anecdote or a story or a memory and not feel foolish or feel that it's only a drop in the ocean. It all helps. It all helps in a time like this. It's amazing how creative the younger generation are with um, YouTubes and online <laughs> videos and all of that. Mm. But for those of us that are a little older, there's still the phone, they're still on post. Um, there's still those small acts of kindness that we can do that I think are very, very important now. I imagine as well that in time when uh, these restrictions end and when life returns to something that we all identify as more normal than currently is at the moment, that there is also value in the grieving process in maybe in a year's time having a memorial service or having some kind of um, something akin to a funeral where everybody groups together, but obviously at a different time. Absolutely. And and I think that's that's a very important hope for people to have. I mean, often in difficult times, we get through them by having something in our minds that we hold on to. So I think the hope for, um, you know, a family gathering, an anniversary experience in honour of the person who's died. I think that's um, that's a very important thing to plan for. On a slightly different note, in, in the hospice where, you know, people speak so highly of the, the care and the respect that goes along with the, the caring for people in their final moments. How have the current restrictions impacted? I, I think, you know, staff are very open everywhere to anything that's possible while keeping people safe. So I know, for example, people have been using iPads to help uh, patients communicate with families mm. and, you know, that in certain situations, families can, uh, you know, come in, albeit with PPE equipment or, you know, in a way that's appropriate and safe. So it's to know that I, th I think really what I would say to people is the staff are not the enemy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. In sense, everyone is honestly trying to make it as possible for people to be accompanied in their dying. We, we do death so well in Ireland, as the phrase famously goes. I think people can have faith that in our medical institutions and in hospices, that is something in our culture. It's not something that's going to be abandoned in a medical facility or in a hospice. It's something that's in all of us. So I can imagine that that will be honoured by everybody insofar yeah. as is humanly possible. Uh, absolutely, Jan. And I think, Drew, I, I've been saying to a number of people, be very careful about what you're watching on TV because, I mean, Ireland so far has done heroic work containing this pandemic. It's very frightening sometimes if you watch um, some of the scenes coming out of New York, maybe, or Italy, mm or Spain, you know, where yeah. there's been huge stress on their system. But to remember in our hearts that fortunately that's not what's happening in Ireland. So in Ireland, we still are able to be with people as they're dying. We're able to respect, 
you know, how the remains is managed. The mm-hmm. funeral directors are very, very up to speed with everything that needs to be done. So if anyone has any kind of frightening ideas, you know, call your funeral director. Talk. They, they will walk you through what did happen, your loved one. Don't be afraid to reach out and ask questions, you know, mm. of your hospital or the funeral director about what actually happened. Mm. Losing a loved one is never easy and there's no doubt that there are additional challenges at the moment. But I hope if you are grieving the loss of someone, whether that be as a result of COVID-19 or not, that you found some comfort in Ursula's advice and that you do manage to be kind and patient with yourself in your grief. And if you know someone who's been bereaved recently, maybe take a few minutes to send a card or make a call or just do something to show them that they're not alone and that they're in our thoughts. I know that's certainly something something I'm going to do over the next few days. I'm Jani Lanagon. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again tomorrow. And in the meantime, take care. If you or someone you know is struggling with their mental health at the moment, please access helpline information at rte.ie forward slash